Take an interactive journey to learn about the state of our coasts, cold weather hits corals in Florida, and an annual whale count is wrapping up in Hawaii. We've got three stories for you today, Wednesday, March 17th, and you're listening to Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. Let's start off with some pretty interesting facts that you might be surprised to learn. From 1970 to the present year, the number of people living in U.S. coastal counties rose 46%. Today, about 52%, that's more than half of the nation's total population, lives in just 673 coastal counties. By mid-century, by 2015, this coastal population is expected to increase by another 7.1 million people. Now get this, 57% of our nation's gross domestic product is generated just within these coastal counties along our oceans and Great Lakes. Our nation's ports that drive our economy are in these areas. Our fisheries and our most popular tourist destinations are all there. So how are our coasts holding up under this unprecedented human pressure? How do increasing populations and heavy economic use along our coasts relate to things like water quality, pollution, invasive species, and coral reef health? And what effects might climate change pose to these vulnerable areas? Last week, the Ocean Service launched a new website called State of the Coast to explore these questions, and you've really got to check it out. It's at stateofthecoast.noaa.gov. The site focuses around four themes that tell the story of how much we rely on and get out of our coast, and how this heavy human usage is degrading these fragile areas and threatening their health. In the communities theme, you can check out changes in U.S. coastal population, the importance of clean beaches, and the extent of U.S. marine protected areas around the nation. In the economy theme, explore the impact that coastal areas have on the U.S. economy, the value of a sustainable fishing industry, and the economic significance of our nation's ports. The ecology section of the site provides you with a chance to learn about the overall health of the coast, as well as the health of specific critical resources, things like reefs and the impacts of pollution and invasive species on coastal ecosystems. And under the climate theme, you can explore the vulnerability of our coast to long-term sea level rise and learn about the infrastructure and populations in our most flood-prone coastal areas. Now, I want to stress that this is more than just a bunch of pages with text and pictures. It's full of interactive maps that let you drill down and take a really detailed look at data compiled by NOAA, EPA, the USGS, and other agencies and institutions. There's a ton of information to explore here, and the interactivity makes it a lot of fun. You can find your county on a map of the U.S. and see how population has changed over time and how it's projected to change in the future. You can see how the region you live in fares in terms of water quality or fish tissue contaminants or sediment quality. You can check to see where the most vulnerable areas are in the nation in terms of predicted sea level rise due to climate change. Or you can see how zebra mussels, an invasive species, has spread around the nation since it was first recorded in 1988. And this is just a small, a really small taste of what you'll find at State of the Coast. We hope you give it a look and let us know what you think. And we hope you come away with a deeper appreciation of the need to better understand, manage, and protect our nation's coastal resources. You'll find the site at stateofthecoast, that's all one word, .noaa.gov. If you live on the east coast of the U.S., I'm sure you remember the cold spell we had back in January. I know I do. But during that period, unusually cold temperatures stretched all the way down to the tip of Florida. 
This cold had a particularly chilling effect on ocean temperatures down around the Florida Keys. During the first two weeks of January, water temperatures in some parts of the Florida Keys dropped into the upper 40s and lower 50s. Now that's about 20 degrees Fahrenheit lower than normal. Now it turns out this is bad news for coral reefs. The lethal lower limit for corals is 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Because of these record low water temperatures, NOAA and partners from 12 different organizations recently finished surveying in the Florida Keys to get a handle on the extent of coral bleaching and coral death in the area. What they found is that the influx of cold water from Florida and Biscayne Bays appears to be responsible for coral deaths in nearshore waters of the Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary. The hardest hit areas were the inshore and mid-channel reefs from Biscayne Bay in southeast Florida to Summerland Key, that's an island in the Florida Keys. The good news is that offshore reefs most frequented by divers and sport fishers were buffered by warmer waters of the Florida current and they were spared severe impact by the cold. This was a pretty rare event. A widespread cold water coral die-off hasn't occurred in Florida since the late 1970s. The data collected during this survey will help give researchers a greater understanding about coral reefs and guide efforts to protect these critical habitats. Scientists are still exploring whether this cold water stress event will make corals more susceptible to disease in the future. And what's known is that the bacterial makeup of corals change after warm water stress events and that increases the prevalence of coral disease. So this winter's event allows scientists to collect data to compare and contrast coral health following both cold and warm water events. Now in case you're wondering what the difference is between coral bleaching and coral death, when water is too warm or too cold, corals will expel the algae living in their tissues, and this causes the coral to turn completely white. And that's what's called coral bleaching, of course. But when a coral bleaches, it's not dead. Corals can survive a bleaching event, but they are under a lot of stress in this state, and they're at a greater risk of dying. NOAA's Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary serves as manager of most of Florida Keys coral reef resources. Staff from the sanctuary are working with the science community, and they're limiting certain human activities in the hardest hit areas until stressful conditions subside. The sanctuary is also asking scuba divers to avoid the reefs affected by January's cold weather. And finally today, we thought we'd let you know about something that's going on in Hawaii. Each winter, from around December to May, a bunch of endangered North Pacific humpback whales migrate from their feeding grounds in Alaska all the way to the warm waters of Hawaii. And the reason they come there is to breed. The pristine waters around the remote island chain is considered to be among the most important breeding, calving, and nursing grounds for humpback whales in the entire North Pacific. Well, each year, NOAA's Hawaiian Islands Humpback Whale National Marine Sanctuary hosts an event called the Sanctuary Ocean Count to learn more about these whale populations. The Ocean Count began as a way to provide Hawaii residents and visitors to the islands with the chance to observe humpback whales in their breeding grounds by conducting a yearly shore-based census during the peak breeding season. While the census doesn't claim to provide scientifically accurate results, it does serve as a tool to supplement scientific information gathered from other research activities. And the count also provides some information on how whales use inshore waters on an average peak season day. And finally, it's a lot of fun for visitors and residents of the islands. By assisting in the count, volunteers can help to monitor the number of humpback whales and other marine mammals around the islands. And that helps ensure their health and safety for generations to come. 
To date, the Sanctuary Ocean Count covers 60 sites on four islands with over 2,000 volunteers. In the future, the Sanctuary hopes to expand the project to other islands. So if you live in Hawaii, if you're visiting, or if you're planning a trip in the coming weeks, there's still time to join the last count. It'll be on March 27th. And if you missed this year's count, maybe you can join in next year when the whales return again to breed. You can find out more about the program and about the sanctuary at Hawaii Humpback Whale, that's all one word, .noaa.gov. And that's all for this week. If you have any questions about this week's podcast, about the National Ocean Service, or about our ocean, send us a note, as always, at nos.info at noaa.gov. And be sure to visit our website at oceanservice.noaa.gov to see our ocean facts section. We just did a redesign on it. We think you'll like it. It's a little easier to navigate. And if you have an ocean fact you'd like answered, you can send us a note about that too. Now this week, let's go out with some whale sounds. This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. 